Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, we begin a new series on violence in the Christian response, and we kick off with a conversation with Brandon Morris on the issue of police brutality. Everybody, welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast, episode thirty-eight. Sun Shibah. Oh, I like that. Had a nice little ring to it. Uh, this is fun. We are back. We are recording on a different day, and uh, and we're relaxed. We're ready to roll. Mm. My name is Jeff over there. The voice that's mm. Tim over there. The body that's Josie. Was that a fat joke? No, no. It was just a callback to the the conversation we were having before when tim made a fat joke well <laughs> i don't think he was doing that was he i, I wasn't myself really myself ugly said brandon didn't have no hair and said you had you know not the greatest bot uh, yeah that was a fat joke yeah. oh i'm sorry after you, you've i now shamed me publicly yeah. uh, well you can edit you missed it out. the part where i called myself ugly so get over it <laughs> i wasn't listening i just heard the part where you well, i've mentioned me it three times now so. i'm sorry well i wasn't paying <laughs> oh, attention thank you peter <laughs> <laughs> And then to my right, my the, the bald beauty, Brandon Bmore Morris. Good evening. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, this drops at like two in the morning. I know. That's why I said good evening. But I guess uh, the council bluffs, they all listen to it. Um, and and I, I guess when they get together for their fire pit, council bluffs, we love you. And thank you for, I don't know if I, you know, I haven't checked the analytics in weeks. The VPN warriors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now we're uh, we're grateful that that you're here, man. We're gonna have a, a fun conversation. Um, that might be a little facetious, but anyway. So let's get going. Uh, we just want to check in. How's everybody doing with our recording schedule? It mm. is. We've been off a little bit, and so we haven't really connected and been behind these mics. You know, f- afraid that we will be off our rhythm. So to get back into it, uh, let's catch up. How's everybody doing? I'm late. I'm forty minutes late, which and I think is insane. Yeah. Because at, th- at seven minutes after the hour mm-hmm. that we were supposed to start recording, I text. I said, "Josie, sure. Tim's not here. Mm-hmm. This is not good." And he's like, "Oh, he'll be here." And I'm like, "At seven, it, it, yeah. If it's if we start at three, at, if yeah. it's three and oh, seven, no, if it's three o'clock, text yeah. me." That's what I said. I told yeah. him. I said, "Tim said if you're was it if you're on time, you're late. Right. If you're early, you're on time." And if I'm going to be here two fifty five, I'll text you and say, "Hey, I'm running a little behind." Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so you're late, but we're glad you're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this coming Sunday is Mother's Day. Do you guys have big plans? Uh, getting my little baby dedicated. That's true. Yeah, I'm baby excited. dedication to the church and then a little cookout with the in-laws and the parents. Good to go. Now, can I ask you, why did you choose the uh, last service to do that? Because we got a whole bunch of grandparents, you know, grandparents in there that are want to see the baby. Okay. And we'd be the only one, so we wouldn't have to distance from five other families down in the front. So that, that makes makes, sense. makes my wife a little bit more comfortable. The real answer is that old people are the only ones that care about archaic traditions such as dedication. 
Uh huh. Yeah, there was there was such a there was such a family as Joseph and Mary who right. really they were pretty interested in dedicating their baby as well. So you might want to go back. You might yeah, want to roll that one back. Their baby wasn't the savior. I mean, your baby isn't the savior. Uh-huh. Your baby might be. I don't know. Yeah. Have, have we ever? No, I guess the Antichrist has to be a male, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking through that now. A rabbit trail. I it totally is. <laughs> Brandon, what are you doing for uh for Mother's Day? So this is gonna drop. After Mother's Day. Yeah. Because earlier you set me up to say it beforehand, but yeah. no. Um, so we don't have big plans. We're going to just spend some time on the deck and do some cooking out. Yeah. But I'm going to have the kids uh, make cards for my wife. And then we'll make phone calls to all the mommy figures in our lives. Yeah. And, you know, oh, I wish we could be there. COVID. Uh, yeah. I feel like on some hand, we're going to miss COVID next year. <laughs> I feel like like COVID is an excuse is starting to wind down. So there's a whole lot of things that we're like, yeah, oh, blame on COVID. Josie, what are you doing for Mother's Day? Your mom is wonderful. You better treat her right. Yeah. So um, dad actually just left town for the next three weeks. So uh, we've got a, and Emily's out in Seattle. So it's going to be like down to me to house party. Figure out what's yeah. going on. Mm. House party with mom. I yeah. have two mothers I have to celebrate for Mother's Day because yeah. it's her and her mother. Okay. Well, you say I have a mom and a grandmom, but I have two mothers. I hope you'll isolate that and be, so what are you going to do? I don't know. I've been, mm. I was out of town all last week and I've been working like a dog ever since I got back. So, uh, I have yet to, uh, actually see my mother since, uh, a while ago. Yeah. All yeah. right. Were you on vacation last week? Yeah. I love how people complain about how busy they are when they get back from vacation. Well, Yeah. Because everything's well, the, loaded up. The thing was, I was planning on having a lot more time, yeah. but then I had uh, two friends yeah. like stay with us for like several extra days, and they're lovely, and I love them to death, and I I, I greatly appreciate any time I get to spend with them. But <laughs> I lost all this extra time I was sure. planning on having <laughs> to to get back to normal. Yeah. Now, when you and your friends, I like. Are your friends of a similar mindset to you? Like, like, do you share playing what Starcraft I, all yeah, day long? Yeah, what I'm asking <laughs> is, do you all just sit in front of your laptops and and not not talk to each other, or land, do you land parties? That's still a thing. Yeah. No, uh, Deborah's actually into board games, so huh. we ended up playing a lot of Fort. 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 I don't know Fort. Uh, it's one of the games they bring to college group that it, we never have few enough people to play. Yeah, darn it. We always have way too many people. I always play. Yeah. I played Cones of Dunshire the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so. Now, what is a game? There's there's a game I'm going to ask for for Christmas. I'm a big board game person. That's yeah. why I really like the college group. Uh, my wife does not enjoy board games. Me and her get along. Yeah. You don't like board games? No. Why not? It's just, you know. He gets bored. Yeah, it's bored. Ba-doom-psh. Boring. Yeah. All right. See what I did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For Mother's Day, uh, we had really big plans to go to a really nice Mother's Day brunch at a nice restaurant. They were going to do like table side buffet because of COVID. And then my wife realized, oh, wait, the kids hate going to restaurants and they're no fun in that regard. Uh, So therefore, let's just go and get some Mission Barbecue. And we're going to watch a movie uh, with the folks that we watched. It dropped last weekend and I insisted on family movie night. I posted this all over Facebook. But uh, has anybody watched the movie The Mitchells versus The Machines? No. On no, Netflix. I saw that you posted about that though. Oh my goodness. This it is the first great movie of 2021. Really? It is fantastic. Interesting. It is basically like the guys that did Spider-Verse in the Lego movie. Mm-hmm. It's like if they did the Incredibles 
but the Incredibles had no superpower. Wow. It's, 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 I heard somebody say, like, and I don't know, this will be lost on mo- most of our audience, but it's like The Incredibles meets Gravity Falls. It's just a weird, funny, it's just really good. And one of the main characters, their, their family animal is a pug. And if you know anything about my family, that's uh, that is our our love language is pugs, <laughs> and the pug is like front and center for most of the movie. And so that was just uh, that was wild. Do you guys have anything that's been going on fun over the last couple of weeks? Watched anything? Done anything besides Cones of Dunshire? Cones of Dunshire. That's it. My uh, my son made the honor roll. Did he? He did. And that's awesome. We had promised him to like. He gets rather decent grades, and he's really smart. And just like me growing up, we talked to the teacher, and the teacher said, you know, he does really well, but he gets off task so (laughs) fast. And he likes to play around and talk as he gets done. He's like, I know this. And then he just wants to play around. And everything's on Zoom now, so he's, like, messaging side people. (laughs) And it's like, dude, you can't do that. Like, you still have to respect the fact that other kids might not be finished. Yeah. And so – a lot of things that he could be progressing in, he was just regular because he wasn't going the extra mile, whatever. So we were like, look, if you make the honor roll and you bring all these grades up, we will give you a music video, which is what he's always wanted. Okay. So we're like gonna, for him to record a music yep, video, he's going to write a song. We're going to make a beat. He's going to record a music video. We're going to go buy some clothes and do the whole shebang. That's like, amazing. So he's really excited about it. So be more junior. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, did you get the bumper sticker when he made honor roll? Or? I did not. Oh. I refuse. Okay. You refuse. I will not put yeah. anything on my car, but Good soap parent. and water and rain. My honor roll student drops better beats than your hey, see, than your chucklehead kid. Copyright. Yeah. Lock it down. That's a, that's gonna be our next bumper sticker when we start <laughs> when we start doing merch. Uh, so nothing else fun. You I, I went on a vacation. Yeah. yeah. And you saw a bunch of tombstones. Yeah. You sent me pictures of, this is tombstones. I was (laughs) like, this is the guy I was named after. He died 140 years ago. (laughs) Wow. Um, Stuff like that. Because my family, so we went to the Outer Banks. My family's all down from like Roanoke Island um, way, way back in the day. And actually, let me, uh, let me, let me cue this up real quick. Let me see if I get, if I can get it Uh, there. Are you calling for me? (laughs) You're (laughs) calling Was that the right number? That's how we learned Spanish. Powered by OnCell. Hello, and welcome to our OnCell tour. It is believed that the first Nags Head Woods landowner was William Thomas Tillett, who was awarded a King's Grant of 308 acres in 1735. So, let me give you the context behind that. Don't worry, I'll trim this down. There's less breaks. Um. Why doesn't your family have more money? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Who, no, who, so, who squandered all of that wealth? It was called the Civil War, and it was called we were Southern landowners prior to the Civil War. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I, we have like a bunch of tombs and cemeteries yeah. and stuff. There's one that's like down in the Nature Conservatory. If you go down to like the Nags Head Woods, where that the Nature Conservatory is, you like walk down the road, cut a right, like the original like. These were the original tillets in this area. Tomb cemetery is just like on the road. Yeah, um, it's part of the hiking trail. I this wasn't there the last time I visited, but they like incorporated uh, like a call audio tour number, so you can just call this number and it'll like give you like a little audio tour. And they put one outside the the cemetery that was like, "Here's some information." And like one of the relatives gave an interview, and it was like it's really interesting. 
but uh, I just think that's that's fascinating. Awesome, I really man. I really appreciate the fact that you just decided impromptu. Hey, everyone, hold on while I make a three minute call. phone call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, before we jump into what we're going to talk about today, I just I just threw it out. Um, I, I just mentioned Council Bluffs. I know we've kind of moved away from talking about them because we're really pretty bummed that they haven't ever uh, reached out to us. But I just pulled up or the analytics. Or we just have better things to talk about. But no, <laughs> don't li- – yeah, Council Bluffs, you hear what he said? Come back and fight mm-hmm. him on this. I'm um, the only one here who's been, in, been to Iowa and enjoyed it, so keep going. Yeah. I've never been to Iowa because mm-hmm. I got halfway through Indiana and went like, dear God, can I go home now? Mm-hmm. Like, let me just turn around. Uh, sorry, the four people who were uh, one person who's in Indiana. Um, anyway, so Council Bluffs, in the last 28 days, we have had one. Uh, let me see how to put this. Council Bluffs has listened almost as much as the entire state of Maryland. That is insane to me. That can't. There's got to be something going on there. It's just. Have you contacted like your analytics people and been like, yo, why is this city? <laughs> Refresh this. <laughs> like, do you right. guys have like a, is there like a hub there or something? Is there some reason behind it? I don't know. It's like, it's like Council Bluffs. We meant Cecil County. <laughs> sorry. Council, so like, sorry. It's like X-Files and Twin Peaks, whatever. Like this is, there's something happening there. Council Bluffs, we would really like to hear from you. It's just, it's so like clearly you are our. Uh, our biggest fans and so we're grateful for you and for all the people who live and listen in maryland yeah oh come on eh. uh, i mean right. at this point you know i'm you know my, you know my personality style right. at this point i'd be like you know what you don't want to talk to me i'm not going to talk about you no I, yeah how dare you i've called you out a hundred times uh, it has been a lot it has been a Just lot saying. so since tim uh decided to show up 40 minutes late uh, we're gonna we're gonna cut out something that I was really looking forward the to. The last doing. ten minutes. No, oh. the <laughs> no. It was gonna be it was gonna be a headline game. I wanted you to to in, fill in the blanks of the weird headlines that have happened over the last month or so. But we'll save that for another time. Um, so look, here's the deal. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, um, we are going when we talked about kind of the way forward and where we're going. Uh, we're gonna kind of spend some time dealing over the next couple weeks, months, however long it goes, dealing with topics in the culture and some things that can be controversial. And today we're going to begin a new series. We're going to look at kind of different forms of violence in our culture. Uh, we're going to try to work through how to understand them as, as Christians, how we should perceive, how we should respond to them in a redemptive way. Like one of the things we don't want to do is just sit around and talk about a topic and then, okay, now we go home. But at, at the end of the day, as good Christian people, how do we understand the things that are happening? And, um, and so today we're going to talk about a, a topic that is, is fairly contentious and can be, um, you know, spirited in debate and people <laughs> can, yeah. people can, uh, can have lots of feelings about it. And, but what we did is, is I'm very grateful that Brandon, you've been willing to come back on because it's something we've been wanting to talk about since the race series. We just never had an opportunity to kind of, uh, to broach this subject. Um, and, and so one of the reasons I'm really glad you're here is because you have shown us over and over again, uh, a remarkable ability to, uh, speak with truth, humility, honesty, and a lot of grace. Uh, and instead of just lobbing bombs and saying, you know, I'm out of here and, You've really done a great work, and so we're really glad that you're a part. Because today we're going to talk about police brutality. Uh, but here's what I'm excited for, and Tim doesn't know this yet uh, because he showed up really late. Um, 
Next week, we're going to need a bigger board because we have three Maryland police officers that are coming in oh, nice. uh, to work us, you know, work through these topics as well. Because what we wanted to do is, is we knew we couldn't get everybody in the room uh, at once. And we, we really didn't want to just have kind of a, a debate or anything like that. We just wanted to hear, um, look at, look at this topic from a bunch of different ways mm-hmm. and uh and the our maryland i don't know if i'm allowed to say who it is yet so i'm going to be real careful about what i say yet but uh the representative that was um willing to uh like a public relations public relations yeah, guy yeah. he was the one that said well instead because i asked for hey can i have this one guy come on he's a he's a buddy and um would love to have a conversation with him and he's like yeah but what if we had like a diverse uh, panel of police. So we're going to have um, my buddy come on. And uh, as I understand it, we're going to have a black male officer and a female officer come on. And so we're going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of nice. different perspectives that we will talk about on there. And to our listeners, I want to kind of, and we will probably say this for a while over the next couple of weeks and uh, series, we're going to be working through these challenging topics. We're going to try to do it with grace and wisdom, but we understand that they can be contentious. And so we want to seek the truth as best as we can. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we invite dialogue that if you have thoughts on the things that we share, the things that are said on here, and you want to give feedback, you want to give a different perspective, we would love to have that. Yeah. And we can uh, address it either if you just want to say, hey, I don't want to be addressed in the email or on the actual show, but just shoot me a line. We're, we're happy to do that. We'll engage. But uh, we yeah, would also very, love. Yeah. In very many ways, we're not here to proclaim. We're here no. to struggle through. This is just right. the conversation between today, four friends. Um, yeah. And trying to figure out what. what um, each of us have come from four different backgrounds, but hopefully from uh, some biblical, you know, at least kind of perusing before we got here as well. Yeah. And what is that? What do we do? And that's and that's where some of these conversations are going to. We're going to ask for a little more grace because we are uh, unlike some of the other series where we've gone. Yeah. Clear cut. This is what Jesus wants from us. And we're going to have a kingdom mindset. But then when you start trying to apply a kingdom mindset to cultural things in this country, how does that work out? That becomes a little bit more difficult to navigate. And so we're going to try to do that and and just host some of these conversations. And if you would like to give feedback, if you would like to respond, uh, don't, you know, don't just sit back. Email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com or you can call Tim at 410 No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to do that. That's I actually know, I, Well, I know your number. Oh, yeah, do you? Okay. Uh, yeah. And it's like, it's weird <laughs> because it's like one of those numbers that, it's not a I've had it for 20 years. I know, so. I, but there's like a hand, like this day and age who remembers phone numbers. Anyway, it's four one zero three. I'll tell you later. Uh, so today we're talking about police brutality. We, as I mentioned, we intended to discuss this during the racial reconciliation series, but we had a whole lot that we had to deal with and we just couldn't give the time and attention that it required. And so we've asked Brandon to come back on because in our conversations about the, the racial reconciliation, this was something that was kind of close to your heart. And we said, Hey, we would like to be able to address this. And, uh, and we committed to doing that. And so to kind of help us get started, Brandon, I wanted to ask you, why is this an important issue to discuss? Why is this something that is close to your heart? And you're like, man, can we can we have these conversations? Um, I think it's important because for, to to start, it's happening. Mm. So it's happening in our country. Uh, so it's important in that regard. I think even broader than that, though, um, it's an important issue because uh, Christians, especially black Christians, have strong feelings about it. Mm. Um, so it's like if I came to you and I said, hey, man, I feel really strongly about something. 
regardless of what it is, is your res- your response going to be like, OK, cool. Like, let's sit down. And let's talk about it. like I really want to get into, you know, what you're struggling with, what your issue is. Or you're going to be like, ah, it's not happening. Like mm. anything else, you'd probably have the first response. But um, a lot of situations that I've um, heard of and been a part of in some regards where there's a disregard for uh, the emotion when you are African-American behind this particular topic. So I think it's important because there are true feelings that people are having. Yeah, as the the posture of a believer should never be a dismissal of another person. Exactly. Um, I mean, after sitting, if, if... you know, after sitting down, breaking bread together, if you still want to dismiss the idea, then okay. I mean, sometimes, sometimes ideas need to be dismissed, but yeah, there should never be a, just, that is the uh, default position to dismiss another human being believer or not, but especially another brother or sister in Christ. Can I ask you a question? Sure. So since, I mean, let's exercise that out here for a second. Sure. So, I mean, I've been pulled over half dozen times 30 or so. times. It's been 30 yeah. times. Probably. No, I, well, I mean, let's go back to when I was 16, probably, probably a dozen times, 12 to 15 times I've been pulled over. You really? Know, I, wow. I used to drive pretty recklessly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and my, my emotions, I mean, my testosterone or, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm like a ball of nerves when I get pulled over regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never felt unsafe. I never felt that, you know, I was in danger, but I also felt like, oh man, I just, I, you know, screwed up basically. Yeah. Um, holding the wheel, like my hands are right <laughs> here, sir, you know, whatever, whoever it may be. So your, your experience though, um, mm-hmm. ha- have you ever been in a position where you felt unsafe, uh, where you felt threatened by rule of law or whatever it may be? Uh, yes, absolutely. So let's see. So there was one time, and this is just something I would not have known at the age of 19. You cannot drive fast through Virginia. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, see, got, see? Yep, I have there. a long story about that as <laughs> yeah, well. That's too. a couple of mine. So yeah. Yeah. I was in deep Virginia, like Asheville. I-81, I think it was. baby. Yeah. Every time. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, fly. if me and my cousin and a friend were going to visit my cousin's girlfriend in North Carolina, and it was just three young guys in the car, just zipping down the, down the road. And, you know, I now at this age, I'm always looking at those little alcove yes. alley things. Yep. And I see, like, oh, slow down. Yep. I was passing one, and there was a cop there. And I immediately, I just, again, I was a kid. I was I slammed on brakes. Like, that. all that says guilt. Right. <laughs> and so... Uh, I remember driving slow or whatever, and then I see him coming out. I'm like, oh, gosh. And everybody else, yeah, it's always the ones that aren't driving that are still listening to the radio and looking on their phone. Like, no idea what's about to happen. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm just like, you know, like he's had a ball of nerves. So he pulls me over, and he's like, do you know how fast you were? It was an old white guy. He was like, do you know how fast you were going, son? And I was like, um, 65. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a lie. It so, was right? a clear yeah. lie, yeah. <laughs> You know, he was like, you're doing 91. Oh. And I was like, no. And he was like, would you step out of the car? And I was like, okay. Now, this is 2001 or two. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay. And so I got out of the car. And he was like, go ahead and hop in the front seat of his car, hmm. which I thought was weird. Yeah. Because, you know, I've seen people get harassed or whatever, and they put them in the back of the you know, they put them in, in the back of the car or they have them stand at the rear of their uh, cruiser or whatever. But he wanted me to get in the front. I'm sitting in the front seat. I'm looking at his laptop in the front seat. 
and you know he's like checking some things and he's doing I'm just like I have no idea what's going on and so um, at that point I did not know what was going to happen and this is pre 2012 all the stuff that's on video stuff now Um, but the naivete that was in my mind I thought I was going to go to jail in the front seat of the car Little that I, I mean, if I was going to jail, I was going to be handcuffed <laughs> right. in the back seat. Now I know that in hindsight, um, but based on what I shared with my family when I got home, they were like, "There's no reason he should have put you in his car. Yeah. Like you should have never been in the car." But what they're telling me is that because there were two other black males in the car, his uh, job or his goal or whatever, and I don't know this for sure. This is what the, our assumptions are. His goal was to separate me from them. So that since I was the offender, it's like he's one guy. There's three people in this car. Let's separate the offender from mm. the people in the car, which, you know, I was like, OK, that makes sense, I guess. But long story short, um, I got a ticket for speeding uh-huh. that was like astronomical. Uh-huh. <laughs> asked yeah, like three, four hundred dollars. Yeah. I was like, oh, just want my money. But that I shouldn't have been speeding. So you said, so, I mean, you would clearly in your experience, your opinion, you would point that towards if it was three white guys you probably wouldn't have happened that way you think i don't think i would have been asked to get out of the car yeah. nor asked to get in his car okay mm. all right so I, another just another curious i'm not here to put you on trial man no, I, no, we, I we know each other at this fine. point in time and i it's hope cool. you know my heart um and so like you were calm in that situation right so what i hear a lot from other tribes mm-hmm. are just don't resist right like just just yeah. don't resist don't have mouth i mean don't get me wrong, like 15 years ago when Chris Rock put that how to not get beat up by the police or whatever. Bit, <laughs> I remember like, that. I, I mean, I, you know, that was funny. I was like, oh, okay, mm. that's that's funny. But when yeah. I first saw it, I don't know that anybody, like he would be crucified if he were to put that out now, I think, just because culture yeah. and society oh, has changed. Culture's so different, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's the thing. I mean, I hear all, I hear all the time, like, just don't resist and all of these things won't happen, but you didn't resist and you feel that there was still clearly a difference in how they treated you versus oh, that's sure. what I'm asking. Yeah, 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 for sure. I think, I, I mean, it's just, again, this is a belief situation. Yeah. I believe if it was, a, if I was, if it was three white guys, I don't think I would have been, I don't think the threat would have been seen that, Oh, I need to separate these guys. Yeah. Now I don't know. Cause I don't know this guy. Yeah. I'm, I don't know anybody in, well, in Virginia at the time. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how y'all do things down here. Yeah. Um, but again, based on, uh, more experienced people when I got home and they were trying to explain to me, okay, that's probably why they did this. They yeah. did this to kind of separate you from the other two in the car. And from a, uh, whether or not I was complying or say, I think for me, especially at that age, that's when I started learning how I am mm-hmm. in extremely tense situations. Mm-hmm. And I'm still kind of the same way today. I am, mm-hmm. I deal with anxiety a lot. Sure. I'm very nervous all the time, but somehow as soon as I feel like there's danger, then like everything shuts down. Hmm. So part of it is just shock. Sure. Sure. I don't yeah. even believe yeah. this is happening. You're not I'm, a bow up guy. You're just a, you're a shutdown guy. Yeah. Right? I'm like, I, I don't even believe this is happening. So yeah. you're probably not going to get all like, I'm going to be furious after the fact. Yeah, yeah. One, right. because I'm not an idiot. And sure. two, because I feel like in that particular case, there was nothing good that would have come out of me saying anything mm-hmm. other than yes sir i didn't mm-hmm. say much yeah. at all yeah. i just yes sir sure. no sir absolutely and to be clear i've that's the same way that i do too it's like yeah, yeah. Just, like, mainly just because i like just can i get back on the road again as well mm-hmm. like just slap me on the wrist or give me the 400 dollars that i'm supposed to pay now and then yeah. i have to 
go broke and pay it, whatever it may be. By the way, total, you know, this is a confession here. Can I confess? Please. You were telling your story about zipping down I-81 and you said, you said we were rolling, rolling down the street and you said you were zipping. And in my mind, I heard sipping and I was in my mind singing gin and juice. So I don't, I don't know if that was a racist thing for me to do or not. <laughs> That's a cultural thing. Yeah, yeah. Right, I guess. Yeah. If you know the song, you know the song. Right. But it's interesting that we're, we're sharing these things uh, and, and the fact that all of us have gotten pulled over <clears throat> in Virginia for uh, speeding an incredible. Joe, I have not been pulled over in Virginia. Virginia. <laughs> all right, well, you can get out. But <laughs> I have been pulled over, and my, my versions of those stories are dramatically different for two reasons. One, you mouth off. <laughs> one, I'm white. Yeah. Uh, Clearly. Uh, and two, um, I was a military brat. So I still to this day have my old military ID, like the civilian card. Yeah. And that's the trick I have. Like we Oops, talked about I this. I'll share it. this. Like, like and then I hope that we can share this to, uh, to not to like brag, but to il- illustrate the differences and kind of like our experiences is that when I get pulled over, I have my military ID, even though it's like five years old by this point, uh, in front of my, my, my regular license and I pull it out like in a, like a, a not obvious way, but you just feel like, like you get preferential treatment. I because make it of that? noticeable. I do get preferential treatment because of that. Huh. I have been, I have been of the two or three times I've been pulled over. I've been only given like two a or three ticket. times. You're either really good or, <laughs> or you're just that young. I don't know. That's a, but I've been told it's probably completely true though. If you, if you donate to the FOP fraternal order police and get the FOP tags, you can drive as fast as you want. But yeah. anyway, I don't know. That's what I've been What's told. What's the for. website for that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. not support something like that. No. <laughs> yeah. It says the guy who pulls out his, uh, his military ID to, to get preferential treatment. I, if I had to grow up as a military brat, which dad's going to look at me. He's going to like, you didn't grow up as a military brat. We didn't move once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't earn the car. You didn't earn this. Uh, but if I, if I, if I got it, you might as well use it. Yeah, might as well. Um, so right. I appreciate 20, your 2018. But it's interesting that we're having this conversation because, you know, we've all um, had experiences of being pulled over, but I would imagine that the experience for the three white guys in the room is, is different in that moment. But then also we don't, kind of live with an awareness of this kind of sense of um, discord between white people and police. Um, I don't, when, when I, I mean, and and it's because of my experiences uh, and I think largely what we've been told growing up is that um, the police are to be trusted. The police are to be respected. And, and, and yet it seems like in black culture and minority culture, that's not the case. And I mean, I don't know, Brandy, you can't speak for everyone. Yeah. I mean, is it, and I don't know, I'm just asking. So we grew up specifically in white middle class in Mm -hmm. suburbs. Yeah. If we grew up and I, you know, I would say this with love and grace in trailer park, Whiteville, um, you know, meth labs. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm not putting white criminals against the black population, but is it, um, you know, is it just because we're white or because we have a little bit of a, a status privilege as well where we trust the police? Because if we were in, I feel like if, if we grew up in real poor white, we wouldn't trust the police as well. I have, I have West Virginia family who, they're not criminals, but, you know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish this was on video so y'all could see the head yeah. motion <laughs> little <laughs> is taken. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. I mean, because again, the narrative that I grew up in and that yeah. you still hear a lot, which is if you're not guilty, you don't have anything to feel nervous about. Right. It's the same thing about if you just, and that's, no, I, doesn't yeah, seem that. like that's the, 
I get that because I've you know plenty of people from the black community that I talk to they it, it so it's guilty before proven innocent kind of mm-hmm. thing, and so even if you're not like I you know, was a great uh, grandmother here in the church where she was lamenting to me after George Floyd that she had she was literally crying that she had to have the same conversations with her grandkids mm-hmm. about not wearing a hood out at night that she she had her brothers were hearing during civil rights yeah and you know it's like I thought we were past some of this and so I mean listening to those stories those are stories I don't hear and they were eye-opening to me for sure yeah. and that seems ingrained in culture that it, it it's just this is the history that mm-hmm. we understand and we and we've passed on and I know um, I think hearing those stories are largely what shapes our understanding of, of our relationship with the police. And if she's saying those things about these are the conversations that we have to have, you know, I would imagine there'd be people who are listening who, um, are, and, and we're not anti-police, we're not, not by any stretch, but I, I think there are people who would just be the police can do no wrong, who would argue how do you get past both those generalities? I right. think that that's right. the thing. Like, I think there's, we err, you know, we err when we generalize bad, when we generalize good and in all, I mean, we do that when, if we were to consider all pastors to be all good, mm. it, we'd be erring because there's a lot of scoundrels from behind the pulpit who are predators and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, but how do how do we, how do we get past that? I don't know. I don't know. Of yeah. course, we're also trying to look at this from a believer position as well, which is all bathed in grace and. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Does a, do, as a believer, do we just assume the best out of people until they prove us wrong? Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to get past that. Like, I don't know. But just to kind of touch on yeah, what yeah. you were saying, yeah. I I'm, hope I'm not jumping ahead of anything. But, like, I was thinking about this topic um, yesterday, and I felt like that's really it right there mm-hmm. is we all need to be believers. Mm-hmm. Now, I know yeah. we can't make every – I mean, I think it's a matter of how you view somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so like for oh for instance, if I, I've told you guys this before, if I take my son to see Black Panther, mm-hmm. what am I taking him to see a superhero? What am I taking him there to see? To see himself, like he sees yeah. someone that looks like him, sure. and he has a certain reverence reverence to that character. And so if I'm pulling someone over, and my job is to do you know whatever to protect and serve, but there is a wall there put there by mm. media, whatever, um, put there by stories and history, mm. Mm. then I'm clearly not seeing certain things. Sure. I may mm. not be seeing someone made in the image of God. I clearly might not be seeing someone that looks like me, which is another, I know it's kind of getting into your other question. It's like, it, are black people, you know, disproportionately killed by more than white people? Then the question would be, you got to ask a white officer that's not me mm. and not, to corner them, but to ask them, like, when we do see videos of, um, you know, I've seen a ton of them, like white guys, like going crazy, like cursing with knives and guns. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're not going to tell me what to do. And, you know, I don't know why they sound like that. I'm just making it. Yeah. But why do we see them eventually get hauled off in the car? Yeah. Or they run and they say, oh, we got to get in the car and chase him. Now, like he was out of the car. Yeah. But you, you didn't do anything. And so it's like, is does that have anything to do with the fact that you see a little bit of yourself? So there's a protect protection against that person, like protecting yourself, mm. but then protecting them from themselves by not harming them. Mm. So, I, I mean, that's a question I would have for a white police officer, like just honesty, like is there an, or based on those things that we see? Because, again, we see video clips 
And there's part pe- partially people that say, well, that's, you don't know what happened before that. You don't know what happened after that. It's like, okay, but I know what I do see. Right. And so I, so I get that part, but there's also what I am seeing. And I am seeing a lot of things that I would never do to a police officer or in the presence of police officers that this guy's getting away with. Yeah. And so it, why is that? Is there a part of you that sees yourself in this person? Not from funny. a crime perspective, but just image. And that's what you're saying. It, 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 I mean... It would help if we were all believers because when sure. you're a believer, there's no black, white, male, female, Jew, Jew, Greek. I mean, then then your tribe is Christ, right? But outside, I mean, our culture has tons of lines and identifications. And sure, mm-hmm. I think we, I think outside of Christ, we all protect our tribe for sure because we're part of that community, whatever it may be. And that's kind of so what the I'm, default, right? And that's kind of what I think some some people again, I can't speak for everybody, just want that admission. Just in conversation, not like don't go to the news and like, but as these kind of conversations happen, you get a couple of police officers to come and say, you know what? I've never really thought about that. Maybe that's why. Mm-hmm. Again, and one police officer or three can't speak for all police officers, right. but to kind of, like you said, like to struggle through it. Like, what is that? I'm just a regular guy. Yeah. But I am nervous with, you know, police situations. And I just curious, what is it that I'm seeing when you know, unfortunately, with social media, I get all these these influx of videos of black yeah. people, unarmed black people getting killed. And then I see armed white people making their way to jail. Right. And they get That's their the day to, in court. I, I wonder, again, uh, I'm going to play both sides, too, because I'm, I'm an inquisitive person by nature. Like, sure. how many of the videos are we not seeing? Mm-hmm. Every single time a, a, a black man or, f- or woman is killed or or harassed unjustly we absolutely see that right mm-hmm. and every single time we see a, a white guy a white woman go crazy and not get as the same treatment as we see from our black residents that we'll see that but we never see the rest of the and that's the, and that's mm-hmm. that's what i struggle with the generalization because mm-hmm. we live i mean from rodney 1992 like like that that kicked out a lot of that kicked up a lot of stuff but then we didn't hit the internet age and then the last 10 years, that's when things have been fever pitch. Like it's, it's like maybe Ferguson, Michael Brown kind of thing when we started really getting some video. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's when I really started kind of paying attention to it. But now like it's fever pitch and we, and, and, and we react instantly because we make up our mind before we watch the video because we've already been, you know, like we see the title. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, there's, it, it's, I think there's certainly a problem within, you know, there's a problem with, with all of this, but I don't know. It's just I, here. So I, I, I have family, I have friends who are police officers. I'm sure we all do. I've watched. I have a buddy that I worked with. He's a um, city police officer, and he, he his district is not the gentrified areas of the city. It's the pair, you know, the parts where all the whites left under white flight under after World War II, and it's it is it's it's all black, and it is extremely poor area. Uh, he lives in white area and then commutes into work and then comes in and out. And so every single time he is dealing with work, which is, <laughs> he's always having to deal with not the good people of the community, the bad people of the community. It's always a black person. And then he goes back to his white neighborhood and he goes back to black back. And I watched over a decade and a half, a guy who I didn't consider to be racist, be extremely racist because mm-hmm. he was wore down by the process because every single bad person he met was a black man mm-hmm. because that's where he was that's i mean he, he you know he just and then he would come back out to his nice white neighbors go out and that like programmed him over a, a while and i i mean i 
it was tragic to watch and uh i don't know where i was going with that but it's 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 super complicated yeah super complicated and i don't know that he i've never seen him in the news or you know use an excessive Mm -hmm. force or whatever but i know his brain is like outside of the grace of god his brain is reprogrammed and it's tragic and it makes you kind of wonder how many officers are like that not even maybe of their own volition but just like you said the programming of who's sending you know these white officers to these poor black neighborhoods and do you do any recruiting in these black neighborhoods are you going to any of the high schools and seeing like hey who's doing well we might want to see if they want to come take a look at the force and be, heck, what's like, what's the demand there? I mean, it's your community. I'm not mine. Sure. At least within. I mean, we're we're brothers, so that's our sure. tribe. Yeah, no, I got but, you. I'm, right. You're good, man. You're good. Because I guess as a as a white guy, I hear more fear of the police, mm-hmm. and then more the other f word of the police. Mm-hmm. Um, then I hear, hey, that might be a viable job opportunity. So sure. there's, there's the, the divide is growing so quickly. And that, that's, and we, we talked about before we turn the microphone on, are we going to talk about solutions? I'm like, I, like my, <laughs> I am not that wise. Like yeah. I'm looking at it as a freaking run, runaway train and it scares the heck out of me because the police are scared to do their job because the other, the, you know, the, the other community is saying, well, F you, and they're coming and try to do their job. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. And then there's immediate, <laughs> there's immediate fear from the people they're trying to do the job with. And it's like, it's like ex- explosive. I, I think something else to consider is just the power dynamics that are present yeah. there. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, we talked about this uh, two weeks ago, or I guess it was technically we talked about this last week, but you heard this a few weeks ago um, or whatever, uh, where we talked about this concept of um, bad actors being protected in the system that exists and good actors being punished by that system. Um, we were talking about body cam footage. Uh, when I was in Carolina, that's when the, the, the a lot of the protesting in Elizabeth City was happening over the... Um, the the killing of um, Andrew Brown Jr., uh, mm. where the family was only given tw- twenty seconds of the body cam footage yeah. to, to view, and then the judge uh, the judge decreed that it could not be released to the public, and seven officers resigned, and like it was very clear that like something was going on that was g- trying to be covered up. Razor thin edge of crazy town, and that and and you mentioned power uh, power. Dynamic. Dynamic. Thank you. So what, what is the what's the the slogan of all police officers? To what? Protect, protect and, and serve. serve. It's not. Any, mean, it's law and order now, right? Yeah. Not protect anymore. Protect and serve is is a is the opposite. I mean, that's we. I, I look at that from a, a biblical standpoint. I'm like, protect and serve, man. That that's a service. Like that'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what Christians should be doing for their own community, protecting and serving, or maybe serving and protecting. But regardless, now it's this power dynamic of coming into you know law and order sit on the curb, you know, so if we figure this out, let me push you up against the wall. I, I'm not saying that's all, but that's sure. the power dynamic. And it's, it's, it's just not healthy. I mean, uh, like in, I don't know, there was a federal court that basically decreed that officers aren't, do not have an obligation to protect and serve. Like they, really, they are because the expectation there when the, that statement is, um, actually a very Christian like sentiment of your mm. life before my life. Yeah. And, uh, there is, uh, I don't know. I need to look this up. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Uh, but there is a, a couple of cities um, where officers are basically just given permission to look out for themselves first. So in a situation where their life would be in danger, 
they're not under any obligation to put their lives at risk to protect others. Yeah. What's a um, try by 12 instead of care by six, they say. Yeah. Whatever it is. Um, let me look that up. Well, while you're doing that, I want to go back to something that Tim asked because you, you brought up this topic of why do we only see, not only see, but why do we mm-hmm. predominantly see mm-hmm. either the instances of, of white policemen either um, when everybody has killing. their cell phone out immediately. <laughs> right. right. Or, and then, and to Brandon's point, why do we see the, um, you know, white people kind of getting away with stuff that most people would not and probably should not be able to get away with, at least if the precedent is set that this is how we're going to handle uh, different situations. Um, why are, uh, and, and I think I've mentioned this before and, and, uh, not like we can't make it even more contentious than already is, but when you go back and you look at the the Capitol attack on January 6th, it is remarkable to me how many people did not die. Um, and not that I'm advocating that they die, but we understand that the job of the, the police is to protect the people inside the, the Capitol. Um, and, and that they were overrun. Um, the fact that I think it was only what one person was shot by a police, uh, police officer, uh, is, is remarkable because as has been pointed out, if it was a black lives matter rally, um, or a, a protest that probably I think would not have been the case. Um, I think that, I think the distinction there is there's a racial distinction, but the other distinction is the fact that a Black Lives Matter protest would not be carrying guns into the Capitol. Wow. Yeah. Which is which makes it sadder. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. The, under more of a threat, they back down. I don't know. This is getting. So here, here's here's what I wanted to go back. So I, I think we do see largely um, we don't see a majority of what takes place that mm-hmm. is probably the way it should be done. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But the mm-hmm. reason is. So I asked a question on here, and I know um, it, it's kind of a, 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 a good talking point that, that people will come out and say that on average, uh, the police in the United States uh, shoot, kill um, about a thousand people per year. And when you look at the numbers, uh, white people are overwhelmingly the majority of those people. And so they would say, you know, here you go. Look, this is evidence of the fact that white people are getting killed by police more than black people. However, when you break it down by, uh, you know, by averages and percentages, black people are, I I looked it up and I will include uh, the links to these sites that we pulled um, four different sites. We pulled this information from, Uh, so, you know, we're not just making it up and it's not, it's, it's trustworthy stuff. It's police violence report.org. And I forget what the, PNAS was, um, and then Yale did studies that found that black people were two and a half to three times more likely to be killed by police, uh, than, than white people. Because there's less African Americans than there are whites. Exactly. So, yeah, so it is, so it's not a matter of who is getting killed more, um, because that would, that would land on, on white people for sure. A high majority of it. But when you come back to it is disproportionate to the population levels. And so I think what happens is we all understand that something doesn't feel right about that. You know, that, that you're going, and I'm not saying that police shouldn't shoot people. I'm, what I'm saying is the police have a really hard job to do and they, they have to do their job and, and there are violent offenders out there and they do need to protect. They do need to stop. 
Well, I think the distinction to that, and this is something I'll throw out and will very distinctly not defend, is the idea that, uh, <laughs> right. um, you know, if you look at other statistics, um, like black on black violence is really high. And mm -hmm. that might explain why there is a, a, a greater proportion of violent incidents with the police is because just by nature of the system or whatever, like those communities that, that uh, black people, black Americans tend to come from tend to be more violent. I don't think that's anywhere near a reasonable justification, but that is a justification I have in the past heard trotted out. Do they have statistics of uh, res like resisting arrest statistics? Like are, are, you know, so all those white people are, are they, are they resisting arrest and that's why they're shot or is it, or is it, or is it, is the blacks that, that, that are there, is that resisting? I mean, that's in, in the research that I've done, I've not seen okay. it broken down. That Cause way. like we were talking about before, I think there, there's an anxiety, um, from the black community because of this frothing of an issue, um, that is everywhere and it's a worthy conversation. Um, and I'm not saying the anxiety is not relevant, but that anxiety is going to make a black man resist more, I would assume, yeah. my my guess than a white man because he's going to fear for his safety more than a white man would. So there's yeah. a, automatically going to be a, a I don't know. Like, well, I, I understand it more in that context. So if that's the case, if, if someone who is black who's being confronted by the police versus white, the white guy's going to be more relaxed and the black guy's not, there's all of a sudden going to be more tension there, which is going to, you know, yeah. create a, a, a worse situation. I don't, I think, I think one of the differences may be, especially in just some of the small videos that we do see yeah. where we get the narrative. If he'd have just complied, it's right, because right, of the, right. again, so I share with you that I can be in a situation like that and yeah. just emotionally kind sure. of be shut off because I'm in shock right. where other people might not respond that way. Sure. They will say, hey, man, if I ever get pulled over, man, you ain't saying nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you ain't killing me today. But when you finally are in that right. role yeah. and you probably feel like it's unjustified that you're in that situation, yeah. people snap. Like, they're still a human yeah. being. Yeah. Especially if you're an unarmed human being. You say, hey, man, I don't have nothing on me right. that can hurt you, but you don't have you know, any justification to pull me over and you start that emotion is not just in the moment. Right. The mm -hmm. emotion has built up from a lot of other stuff. Yeah. And so and it's almost like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go for it. It's almost like I'll, I'll tone it down a tad. No, go for it. But, but I'm just saying, so, you know, for the, for the, for the folks who have been married and you say, you know, you have issues or whatever. you have an issue and you just kind of hold on to it. And you don't say anything. You don't say mm -hmm. anything. And then they just say one little thing and then you just start Boom. flying off. Yeah. And they're like, what is all this? Like, because yeah. it's been building Bu yeah. all this time. And so I think sometimes in those situations, you're not just getting the frustration from you pulled me yep. over today. It's fear. It's yep. I don't want to die yep. today. And it's you're going to hear everything I've been feeling yep. because now yeah. I have a face to my frustrations that yep. I share with my friends and yeah. on the internet. And you're going to get out like, I think you're seeing a lot of that. And that's why you see a lot of folks, a lot of black folks get so mad and angry in that moment when you're like, why aren't they just complying? It's like, you cannot control that. And I think yeah. there's validity there. From your perspective, do you think that it's that validity that has its, its base there? I think there should be an extra fear because I mean, we see the statistics, right? Perspective. Do you think it's also worsened by the perpetuation of uh, internet video and the news and the frothing up? Do you think they make it worse? 
So I'm gonna be quick. So I'm gonna let Josie go. Sorry, yeah, but sure, I forgot. The me- I just watch the news every now and then. I don't watch and I'm it like, at all. Who writes <laughs> yeah. these things? Somebody's right. writing the teleprompter, <laughs> and the word choice. I'm like, dude. I don't see why news insights gets awards. I'm like, yeah. this is brilliant because it's like, why would you use those terms? Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. yeah, I just mean on the on the issue of like, oh, if you had just complied, you would have been fine. I, I think about incidents like uh, the shooting of Daniel Shaver, uh, who we spoke about a few weeks ago, where he was the the white guy that was in the hotel, and the cop, the cops were just giving him conflicting instructions. Yeah. Where when you're in a high stress situation, uh you you have to come into it with some level of understanding of like i'm i'm stressed out i'm not the one that's trained to handle high stress situations so why is the impetus on me as a civilian to remain calm as opposed to the officer with the itchy trigger finger um who who sees me going to like pull up my pants and thinks i'm going for a gun that clearly isn't there or any of these things and i know like you'll throw the feedback to that comment, if I were speaking to somebody, um, would be something along the lines of like, well, well, you don't know, or that those, that's equally as high as stress as a situation. And, uh, you know, you just don't know. Uh, yeah. I would say we'll probably hear from it next week from the officers here. Like m- maybe now, maybe now, because when you, when you see a police police officer, they look more like a military person, but back, you know, I've, I've family members who were city cops back like the, during the depression, like they didn't even carry a gun. It was just like the little billy yeah. club went around. Like, so it, I think most people, maybe my perspective, my guess, most people, when they sign up to be in the police force, we use that word now, but to be a policeman, police woman, mm-hmm. they don't sign up to go to war. They don't sign up to, they serve, they sign up to serve the community, to mm-hmm. protect the little old ladies on the corner and all that kind of stuff. Maybe help get rid of some crime around. But they don't sign up. They they don't sign up for those moments where they wonder, "Am I going to see my kids tonight because of this interaction?" And so, I I, I mean, I my heart is always broken when I see um, you know this violence play out. But I, I always try to put myself in the situation of the the, the offender or the person, the, the whatever we call them, the the person that the police are interacting with, and also the police as well. And try to like, all right, what 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 do I do in these these moments? Um, I, you know, I, and and so sometimes like you look at it and the guy's just got his hands up near you, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you weren't you, yeah. but but other times when you're like, be still, and they start bringing their hands down to their waist or behind their back, I'm like, I, like, no, I I mean, I, I'm kind of getting it. I'm kind of getting it. I don't. I mean, do do uh, I still lament the fact that any of that happened? But I don't know. I, I try to put myself in both shoes. I, I think if there was a, uh, if it looked more balanced, no, right, right, then yeah. maybe you know, you know, that, bringing your hands t- down, right. If if the the crazy white guy, like he should be shot just the same as the the. I mean, the, he's got a gun, right? And so, that, and that's, yeah, and that was my that was my point, which is if we read the statistics that say that black people are two and a half to three times more likely to be shot by police than these videos that we see where the white people aren't being shot, where the black people are that it, it reinforces this sense of see, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. And, and it, and it, 
it doesn't negate, you know, and, and we could say, oh, there's a, you know, as people do, there's a whole lot of things we're not seeing. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot that doesn't get put out there that would, you know, kind of undermine that narrative. But when we see the f- stats and statistics that say stats, statistics are the same things uh, <laughs> or figures and statistics that are that are showing us that this is what's happening when we can visualize it and see yeah. this is what it looks like then it, it it allows us to kind of go, okay, now we, and now we see what's happening and we can go back to that whole, if you just, um, if you just comply, mm-hmm. things will go well for you. And then a video comes out like it did last month with the, uh, the army Lieutenant who, um, who was harassed by the, the police mm-hmm. and who just came out and he was, I mean, he was in uniform. He had, uh, a, a, what plates he didn't have a he didn't have license plates but he had a, a piece of paper that showed his license plate um, and they pulled him over for not having plates and and he was not compliant in the sense of I'm I and he repeatedly said I don't feel safe I don't feel safe and the response was you shouldn't and I'm going and here is a, a it yeah. is it is rough um, and he gets pepper sprayed he gets pulled out he gets handcuffed for basically not really doing anything wrong. Now, to be fair, the officer who did that was fired. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was let go. Um, Justice, let go, sort of. Yeah, yeah, but you, you wonder. You wonder. Same with the Derek Chauvin thing. If there was not video of that, it is, it is difficult. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult to believe that would have happened in the same way, because we have been. I, I think it is ingrained at least in in many of us to trust the police. And if things are said to us that here's the narrative and um, this is what they were doing and, and you go, well, I don't have any reason to not believe you. Uh, But when you see things like that and it was egregious and I'm, I'm grateful the guy lost his job. Uh, We don't need those kind of people. And I think they make um, the good cops look awful because he becomes a representative of what people think the police are. Right. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, and so now everybody, and so now so many people are, um, they see the, whatever percent of the bad apples there are, like you were talking about Joe earlier, then that goes to the rest of us. But, and then even like on the pastoral side, we see the falling of a, you know, of a bunch of pastors and all of a sudden people walk away from Christianity because they say that's what it all is. And we're trying to, then you got some, guys like me who are still struggling through trying to be good, but we're still doing our best kind of thing. Yeah. And it ruins it for everybody. For us to, I, I think one of the things I, I keep coming back to when I, when I think about this discussion and when we talk about being pulled over and the experiences that we've had, Brandon, the experiences that you share and, and that you're aware of, you know, we often don't go back and look at the history of the police. I'm going to share in the show notes, um, an article by insider.com, uh, that goes through the history of police from like its inception to where we are now and mm-hmm. like the different stages that it's it's taken, the different roles they played throughout our history and that largely the police as we know it right now um, is a relatively new concept for our country. In what way? Um, just in the last hundred years that it probably now looks like more similar. It wasn't until like the turn of the, ni- you know, the century, uh, the 1900s when it really sort of, became an organized thing. Whereas before it was, there was a night. Beat. Yeah. There was a night watchman. They were, you know, just kind of keeping an eye out, but where really, where we really see things that were difficult was particularly in the South. And like right after slavery, 
you had um, uh, slave patrol and their whole job was to go to find escaped slaves and to bring them back and just say, we're going to put you back to work or freed slaves. We're going to, we're going to take you and go, you're not doing what you need to do. So therefore we're going to bring you back and put you back into uh, a position of, um, of slavery. And, and that kind of became ultimately that, that, that body turned into what we would ultimately come to know as a police. So bounty hunters turn into police. Yeah. Mm. I mean, in, in a, in a way. And so that was, but they were just a slave patrol. And actually in the South, uh, in the insider article will indicate that, that the, those people largely, they were carrying whips, guns, and they ultimately kind of became the KKK. They were an authority that were designed to go find black people and say, we're going to put you back into bondage. Um, and, and so that was kind of how we understood it. Now we can look at that today and we can say, yeah, I don't, I don't see, you know, a lot of people would say, well, that was 150, 200 years ago. That's mm. not the same thing. And I can understand the, the, the thinking behind that, but it does come back to say there is a history. And, and even as recently as the 1960s, where we have seen police that were a part of a system uh, that was disproportionately against black people um, during the civil rights things. And, and so for us as, as white guys, we're sitting here and we go, yeah, all of my experiences with the police have been on the up and up. I mean, if, if I've encountered the police, it was because I did something wrong. And, and yet I would, and I don't mean to, you know, you, you don't speak for the black people. I don't know that <laughs> I really do. Um, I would imagine that there is a greater history and awareness there, mm-hmm. um, of, of this is what has happened to, to our culture. Um, disproportionately. And so there's more of an awareness there than I think than the three of us would have. How old's your son? Nine. Have you had to sit down with him and say, here's how you deal with the police? Oh, we've had plenty of conversations. Yeah. We had, what do you tell him? Um, so, I mean, I told him, I tell him what is happening. Mm -hmm. You know, just tell him stories about things that have happened. Not everything, but enough. Um, we told we told him about the Tamir Rice situation, okay. um, because our kids don't just go outside and play like I used to when I was a kid. Well, none of us do. Yeah. You know, right. would go outside, be gone for like eight hours. Sure, no yeah. one ever couldn't have a beeper or a cell phone. No one ever called to see if I was alive. It just come on when the when the uh, street light came on. The world's gone. Um, but yeah, that's that's not the case anymore. And so. Uh, I was explaining that experience to him and he was like, what? You can go outside. (laughs) It's like, yeah, man, we should do that. And so we've, we've told him that, you know, it's not just that we're worried about, you know, Mm -hmm. people around the neighborhood, like Mm -hmm. police stop and talk to young black kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're nice. Just to be fair, sometimes yeah. they're like, hey, guys, how you doing? You know, we've seen the videos of them playing basketball with kids. Yeah. And I don't knock any of that. Like, sure. but you would want to see more of that. That's except a, that's for the, and protect. Except for the one video of some, right. you know, white guy playing basketball. It's like, okay, well, that's one instance of across yeah. the country. Like, can we get some more of that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to say it's not happening, but I'm just saying, like, you would want to see more of that than the alternative. And so, you know, I've when we shared with him about Tamir Rice, um, it was a hard conversation yeah. because my son wanted to know what did Tamir Rice do mm. to deserve to die? And I thought he was going to stop it. Like, well, what did he do? 
And I was like, well, he's like, to deserve to be shot. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Because mm-hmm. I, I could say, well, you know, he was playing with a toy gun in a park. And, you know, immediately he thought, like, he has, like, a water gun in the face. And he's like, oh, my gosh, Dad. And he, like, runs away. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I got to go throw my water gun. I was like, DJ, mm-hmm. they're not going to come in the house <laughs> and get you because you have a red water gun. <laughs> um, at least I don't think they are. But his, you know, he, he's nine. And, you know, there's really no age for, again, in my perspective, a black family. There's no limit. There's no age gap or or, uh, age limit of when you start having these conversations, like when they start talking and asking. It's time to have the conversation, because one of the things that we recognize with our kids is that there are a lot of times when they go to school, there's a police officer that is, you know, parked on the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And he's there to protect the kids. Yeah, Yeah, he's, he's there to protect the kids. I believe that. Um, but I, I want him to be aware and I don't want him ever, you know, walking cause we would normally drop them off and then go pick them up. And there's a nice little walk from the front door to mm-hmm. where we pick them up. Mm-hmm. I would hate for him to be walking and just be completely naive to the fact that, no, I'm not saying that you have to fear. I mean, he's going to get that mm-hmm. on his own, mm-hmm. but I want you to be respectful. That's mm-hmm. the one thing that I think a lot of black fathers deal with their sons in this militant way that we talk to them, for the most part, again, mm-hmm. it's probably not everybody. Um, but it's like, hey, go run over here and get this for your mother. And he's dancing and he's kind of, dude, I'm like, dude, stop. Like, stop dancing. Get it. Not like, and I know that he sometimes looks at me like, what are you doing? And it's like, it's been passed down to me, to my father and uncles and their fathers and uncles. Mm-hmm. Just that, like, I need you to understand that when someone of authority is talking to you, like, my job to ingrain into you now is to get you to come home. Mm. And the best way I can think to do that is for you to not move too slow or, you know, dance around and th- I just need you to stop and do what's being asked of you. Yeah. So those are, those are some okay. of the kind of conversations that I had to have with him, especially cause he's not, cause he does look at me like, dude, why are you so like, whatever? I'm like, yeah. dude, he knows I'm a fun dad, but there are times that I'm the talk. Yeah. I'm telling him something for a specific reason. Sure. Well, Brandon, I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's it's very easy uh, when we have these discussions to land firmly on one side. And I think the things that you've just shared are just an honest picture of of what it's like and and the need to recognize that um, that it's not just all bad. There are good. And we need to just sort of understand how to how to navigate through through these challenges. And I appreciate your perspective on that um, because uh, it makes it just easier to understand that, that that this is this is a hard topic to discuss for sure. Um, and and you're you're doing good work. And so as we wrap, there's one question that as we talk about all of these contentious hot topic um, issues, how do we believe that Christians should interpret? How should we process this? How should we respond to this? Our goal is, is uh, as a podcast, good Christian people, we want to kind of always bring it back, not just to sit around and talk, but to understand as Christians, what is our role in this and how do we um, understand it? How do we live with kind of some of, of these realities? Anybody want to open up your own thoughts? I have a mini message, but I'll give it to somebody else first. Right. <laughs> Uh, I think for me, my passion and my desire for not just white Christians, but Christians in general is 
the compassion piece, mm. um, especially for conversations like this. Um, obviously, these conversations can be one sided on one side or the other. Um, I think as believers, our uh, role should be to show compassion for both sides and try to find like the whole idea of racial reconciliation. It's reconciliation mm-hmm. like that. It's not just that I want to argue for the sake of arguing. I think that. If we're just looking at sides, though, it's like, okay, well, I need you. I need you as my brother in Christ to feel me, like to have a sympathy for what I'm telling you that I feel. And 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 maybe just try to. So and I hate to talk about marriage. Again. Like me and my wife do this like, OK, so that I can really say that I understand your point. Let me try to argue your point. And as I try to argue it, you can see if I really get it or not, or if I was just blowing smoke earlier. And so it's like if you can kind of walk through with me what is what I'm sharing with you as if it's your perspective, mm-hmm. then maybe you can understand as opposed to saying, oh, well, I don't really think that's happening or, you know, you guys or whatever. Like start to open your eyes. Um, you know, we saw the original. I don't know. Did you guys see the original uh, story that they, the police were going to release on the George Floyd thing? No, you mentioned it a yeah, week or just, so The ago. title says, Man Dies After Medical Incident During Police Interaction. Mm. That was the title of the report they were going to release until they found out there was a video. Mm. So it's kind of like you said earlier, like this, they, had that video not happened, it would just been another situation. How many of those are happening? Mm. So my whole point in bringing that up is maybe take a step back and listen to people who don't look like you and just hear their hearts, hear their stories. Because mm-hmm. if all you're hearing is news stories, you're kind of getting a little insight now that who's yeah. to say that everything you're getting from all these different outlets right. is what actually happened. Yeah. Well, that's, so. and, and yeah. So I've pastorally, I've told people turn off the daggone news so many mm-hmm. times, like just stop, stop. Cause you, you mentioned that, that headline from the Minneapolis police, they were spinning it. And in uh, in all other areas of <laughs> of society, we're getting spin, 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 right? Mm-hmm. So turn off the news and just sit, break bread with somebody and ask their experience. And that's why I appreciate you coming in. And I appreciate you sharing your experience. Yeah, um, I think it helps. It helps well well round at least my understanding. Um, and it it gives me. I mean, I like learning from people, and you have to be quick to listen. That's that's one of the things that Christians should do. One of my yeah. three point sermon here is slow be, to speak, be quick to listen. Yeah, yeah. quick to because even even when you see the the next video of the next police brutality, the next killing of a black man, even when you see it, my suggestion to all brothers and sisters in the faith, regardless of color or creed, be quick to listen. Yeah, sit back, like don't react at the sna- like take it in, take it all in. Um, listen to what's going on and then make your reaction afterwards. Uh, that's one of the ways we respond. Yeah, I think it's interesting. <laughs> I think I see where we're going uh, in in future conversations that it is a good chance we're going to keep landing on the same spot, which is be willing to listen to others. Uh, don't rush to judgment. Same thing we said during the racial reconciliation series that realize that your experience is probably not the only experience and that we need to have compassion on those uh, who have had different experiences than us and not just say, no, that's not true. That's not true. Um, I, I th- you know, and, and, and again, do good work. I mean, you know, there, there are resources out there um, that, that will give just true statistics. There are a lot of people like to go, 
You know, I just want to, I just want to argue facts and I want to argue facts. They're out there. Um, and they may not support what you're saying. Um, it, what I, what I thought was interesting was that in researching and I'll, I'll share the USA today. Uh, it was, it was very easy to find an article that just came out and said, nah, 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 none of this is happening, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and, and I'm going, all right, well, that's, I will include that as well. So we can, we can see it and, and just realize that there are multiple perspectives on each side mm-hmm. and, and interpretations of why th- we see the things that we are seeing. And so, uh, yeah. I'd say as a Christian, man, we need to show compassion and love and recognize that, um, there's not a, not just one story here. Josie, you got anything? No, I mean, um, I think you pretty much covered it. The distinction I make is, gosh, and I hate it. The first time I heard someone say this, I absolutely hated it. And I've kind of come around to the idea um, by redefining it a bit in my own sense. But understand the fact that multiple realities exist. Um, I'm not talking about in like some metaphysical sense or like, oh, you exist in your own reality. Multiverse. (laughs) (laughs) But the reality of our black brothers and sisters is different than the reality of our, our police officer brothers and sisters where you can have different realities. The reality, Brandon, I don't know if we shared this on the podcast specifically, but we were talking about like, um, uh, you were talking with a, a friend after the, the George Floyd shooting who happened to be an officer. And he said that like the one thing he looks out for when, when he was looking for things or when he pulls, makes a traffic stop or something was like, is the person nervous? Yeah. And the reality of that officer is, is this person nervous because that means they've done something wrong or there's something I need to be worried about. But the other reality is I am nervous because an officer pulled me over and I know I'm in trouble. Like exactly. So if you, if you can't see that distinction of why people act these different ways and why we should have compassion in both directions, then I don't know. I don't think we can continue to have this conversation. Um, but I, I hope that we we are able to continue, and that you as listeners are able to to view that distinction as we move forward, um, and just carry that forward. Well, that's I think that's the Christian perspective. I, I mentioned um, many message. So I, I mentioned be quick to listen. Like that, that's when I kind of boil down. Be quick to listen and. I, I hope you feel listened to Brandon, at least for me, man. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I would love to listen to more, but I know we got to get out of here and kill the tape. Um, my other thought is um, second of three is lament. Um, if you are someone who believes that police brutality is a big issue, lament it. Lament the fact that sin is breaking and has broken our world. But let me speak to also to those of you listening who you may not believe police brutality to be a real thing. It's, you might believe it not to be a reality. You might believe it to be fake news and it's not a thing. I would also tell you to lament the fact that pretty much everybody else believes it to be a real thing. And even if they are believing a lie, it is creating conflict and creating division and creating that nervousness and creating these already interactions between police and the people that they're interacting with. And it is adding stress to situations, which is only spiraling things more out of control. So lament it all. Um, cause sin, uh, <laughs> sin is, is real, whether it's only in your perception or not. Um, lastly, I would say, uh, pray. I was writing this in a message, uh, for a few weeks from now. Um, 
I was struck by one word in Christ's command to pray for our enemies. Um, I think more often than not, believers pray about our enemies. Mm -hmm. We don't pray for our enemies. Um, We pray over them. We might pray towards them. Mm. Um, We we pray, hey, God, fix that person over there. Um, But we don't pray blessings for them. So I, I don't know, uh, could, could, you know, the black Christian com- co- community who is anxious for good reasons, I believe towards the police, could they play, pray for their police brethren and could police brethren and, and pray for the black community? Could we all pray? Could we all just be, uh, what was the, the saying from 1992, Mr. Rodney King, can, can we all just get along? Mm-hmm. And, and that would, that would start by praying, like being, doing what God's called us to do through Christ, praying for not about our enemy, mm-hmm. but we, we, we stop before we get to that four a little too often. I think. Thank you, pastor. That was, I appreciate mm-hmm. it guys. I appreciate the, um, your all's willingness to have this conversation. Brandon, especially, yeah. uh, it is always a gift when you come in, um, because you have a better voice than Tim, um, For sure. and a better not face, For sure. uh, not a better body than, than Josie. <laughs> Josie, I think he is, uh, he is our Adonis he on is, here. He's not liking um, that joke at all. No, and I apologize, Josie, but I, I will say this guys, um, this is a contentious topic and I, yeah. I'm really, um, grateful for the uh, the grace and the ability to sit around and have these conversations. Uh, for those listening, we would love it. If you have thoughts, if you want to chime in, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GCPPod and email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. Brandon, we love you. You are always welcome here. And uh, I'm very grateful that you are not just our most frequent guest, but you are severely outpacing Brianna at this point. And so we hope that you hold on to that. Bring her back. Bring her back. She's coming back. And next week, we continue our discussion on this issue with a panel of police officers. And they're going to give us a look into their experiences and challenges that they face as we seek to understand all sides of this conversation. We know it can be contentious, but we are grateful for the grace to have these honest conversations and show compassion to everyone. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. And until then, be good. You've been listening to Good Christian People, the podcast. Today's episode was recorded on Monday, May 3rd, 2021, by Jeff Higgins and Tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to hear more of our content, please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us on Twitter at GCPPod.